Welcome in, everybody. Welcome in the Total Coverage Podcast Championship Weekend Edition. Yes, the AFC champion was crowned. The NFC champion was crowned. And we're going to cover both games right here on the Total Coverage Podcast as we get you ready and ready and set for Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles, man. I cannot wait to talk about that game in the coming weeks. But, man, we're going to talk about what we saw last week. And I got a guy who uh, played for the Bengals. Actually, was on the last Super Bowl team that the Bengals put out there. Yes, he was part of Super Bowl 23. They didn't win, but he was on that team. My guy, former Bengal Solomon Wilcox. He's going to join us in just a little bit. I can't wait to hear his thoughts on the current Bengals and also the Super Bowl he played in against the 49ers and Joe Montana back in the day. Also, we're going to discuss the Rams and their win over the 49ers. That'll be coming up in just a bit. Just want to remind you, as always, you can find the Total Coverage Podcast wherever you find your podcast. However you got here, make sure you rate, you subscribe, or you go to that search tab, type in Total Coverage, Kirk Morrison. Make sure you hit a rate, hit a subscribe, whatever you need to do, man. Tell a friend. Would love to hear from you as well. You can reach me on Twitter, at Kirk Morrison. Also on Instagram, at Kirk Morrison, man. Oh, I cannot wait to hear from you guys. But you know what? Let's get to my guest, my guy, Solomon Wilcox, the former Cincinnati Bengal. First of all, Solly, man, if I told you before the season that the Cincinnati Bengals would be in Super Bowl 56, what would you have told me? I would have been like, wow, how, how is that going <laughs> to happen? Because Joe Burrow was coming off a season ending knee injury. I remember when I talked to him in training camp, this offensive line didn't look like it could block you or me. And it, I'm telling you, man, we were worried, very concerned. But Zach Taylor's done a wonderful job. And obviously, Burrow's coming to his own. We now know he's a born leader. And Jamar Chase is a once-in-a-generation talent. And these other guys who are really good players themselves have all bought in. As long as they believe in themselves, I don't know that everyone else believes in them as, as much as they believe in themselves. And I think they're the writers of, of their own narrative, of, of their own story. And as you well know, uh, that's how it ought to be as a player. You know, like this uh, AFC championship game, the Bengals were down 21 to three in that second quarter, Solly. And it seemed like this was going to be the day of the Chiefs. And yet something happened, something's clicked, something switched. What happened to this Bengals team? What kind of woke them up and kind of changed their fortunes? Tyler Boyd was the guy that really kind of got the offense going early. Then C.J. Uzama was hurt. Yeah. Then it kind of was like they went into another low. Next thing you know, they're down 21-3. to and Then Burrow hit Samadji Pirine, and he goes 41 yards for a touchdown. Now, this is something very small, but something very big. If you go back and watch that play, Kirk, mm-hmm. guess who was a guy that guess who was a guy that threw a critical block? You can go earlier in the season. I think when they played the Las Vegas Raiders on a run by um, by um, Joe Mixon, yeah, uh, Jamar Chase throws another uh, beautiful. The guy will block. I mean, when you get your star players that play like that, help that play by P. Ryan. At that time, it was. 21 to three next thing you know it's 21 to 10 and then the Chiefs don't score on that last possession before halftime and it's 21 10 going into the half the very next possession to start the second half 
uh, Mahomes gets intercepted by B.J. Hill right at the line of scrimmage. Game changes right now. Mm. Whole different ball game at that point. So this was a team that came back on the Chiefs week 17 three times from a 14-point deficit. So they have the, the courage and the confidence to know that if they get down, number nine's not going to let them down. They, they know they have a quarterback they all can count on. And I think it does inspire every single one of them to give every ounce of energy they have because uh, if you do, you're going to have a chance to win the game. You know, Sally, you mentioned number nine, Joe Burrow, and he's proving to everyone that he is the best young quarterback in the game. Remember, it was always about Justin Herbert going into the season, and yet Joe Burrow has sort of pumped everybody's brakes and said, hey, don't forget about me. I was the number one overall pick, and I thought Sunday going 23 of 38, 250 yards, two touchdowns, but just making the critical throws and just being able to take off and pick up first downs when needed. What else did you see from Joe Burrow in that AFC championship game? I saw the fact that Joe Burrow is the kind of guy, he's not going to put the ball in harm's way. Mm-hmm. He's not going to, um, you know, uh, carelessly manage the offense. He's not going to get greedy. He's not going to try to do too much with the ball. I think the one interception got tipped at the line of scrimmage where he did have a guy open as he got outside the pocket, just happened to get tipped at the line of scrimmage. Things like that happened. But, um, you know, his courage and his confidence in the way that he plays, the way that he can extend plays, the way that he can break out of the pocket and break down a defense with his legs, even though he's not known to be this great running quarterback. He's just good enough in all of the categories, especially the competitive uh, box that you need to check. That's what makes him a born winner. And so uh, when you watch him play, he's a lot of fun. The guy works as hard as any quarterback you'll ever find for a young guy. Um, But the confidence that he carries himself with, like after the Raiders playoff game, um, the fans, or at least in a press conference, they asked, why was he not celebrating? He says, well, people should understand this is the standard now. Those are the words he used. This is the standard now. We're going to be doing this from here on out. I mean, and everybody's looking around like, did he just say that? Did he really? (laughs) That's the kind of words he ought to be whispering more than saying boldly. But it's not with cocky um, arrogance that he makes those statements. He's just just got that kind of charisma and confidence about himself. And it's contagious. It spreads through the rest of the locker room, the rest of the team, and the rest of the town as well. You know, we've talked about Burrow. You've mentioned Jamar Chase. Uh, you also, we talked about Joe Mixon, but you think about some of these other players, the guys who are now becoming household names. The Bengals are fun to watch. And I'm thinking about the T Higgins, the Tyler Boyds, but then on the defensive side, what Jesse Bates was able to do, Mike Hilton's able to do. And then I think the best free agent signing of 2021, Trey Hendrickson off the edge. What about some of these other players that are now finally getting some notoriety? Trey is an energy player, man. That dude, what he's done this year has been phenomenal. I mean, they got B.J. Hill from the Giants. He's been really good. He's given them some depth to go along with D.J. Reader. But you're right, Mike Houghton, Chidobia Wuze, um, some phenomenal players that have come over in free agency, and they just all accepted their role. Von Bell, a year before, yeah. mm-hmm. had played with Trey Hendrickson with the Saints, right? Yep. These guys, and, and, and we're really happy with the safety tandem. Jesse Bates is 
for a long time been a really good safety in this league, and I think people are finding out why. And uh, But these guys, they play hard. I think about the defense. They've had a big interception uh, to end the game in each of these playoff games. One against um, Derek Carr yeah. um, by uh, Jermaine Pratt. You had another, um, obviously, at the beginning of the game by Bates, and then at the end by Luke Wilson um, to finish off the Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill. And then you saw last week with Jesse Bates teaming up with Von Bell to turn back Patrick Mahomes and the Saints in overtime. And by the way, Kurt, the Bengals proved you don't have to win the coin toss to win yes, in they overtime did. <laughs> in the NFL. You're right about right. that, right? We're not talking about right. that this week, Sally. Remember? Yeah, Everybody we don't need to be changing week. no rules, man. <laughs> we don't need to change no rules. We went I, yeah, from what? Yeah, we... That's the talk of losers, man. It's the talk of losers. <laughs> I don't like it. See, that's why I got my my fellow defensive brethren on the Total Coverage podcast this week because that's all I said all week long was defense got to go make a play. Quit talking about, oh, with both teams need to score or both teams need an opportunity. How about the defense make a play? And I thought, man, Jesse Bates and the guys going out there making the play and getting the ball back, and then it became real sudden death. And so it was funny. We sure didn't hear any of those uh, overtime people talking this week. No, because it don't fit their little uh, everybody gets a trophy narrative, right? (laughs) (laughs) Quarterback didn't get the ball. Well, guess what? What about when Al Harris uh, intercepted Matt Hasselbeck in a game and uh, when he was playing with the Packers and the Seahawks went to Lambeau and Hasselbeck wins the coin toss, arrogantly stating, I want the ball in, we're going to win the game. (laughs) Well, Al Harris said, no, you're not. Their offense never got the ball and they won the game. There's a lot of ways to win football games, and we need to stop being so quarterback-centric that we're turning into spoiled children that Mm -hmm. there's only one pathway to victory. And you and I both know there's multiple pathways to victories. And the teams that play with that confidence, those are the teams that can weather a storm and come back from 18 points or go on the road and win, do whatever it takes to win. I, I think if you get a team that's wired that way, that's built that way, at that time, that that kind of uh, psychology, those are the teams more times than not that are going to find a way to win. Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned you can win games differently because we've gone this full interview and we haven't even mentioned the biggest weapon for the Cincinnati Bengals, their fifth round draft pick, Evan McPherson who kicked the game winner, the 31-yard field goal in overtime this past week. But we saw what he did against the Tennessee Titans. We're seeing what he's doing against the Raiders as well. And just an outstanding season all around. Just tell me a little bit about the fifth-round gym, the rookie, Evan McPherson. First of all, you know, I live in Cincinnati. Uh, Mm I live and work here. I started in local television here at the local NBC affiliate. Um, And I could tell you, I've been here for more than 30 years. And as long as Evan McPherson here in Cincinnati, he'll never have to buy another drink, pay for <laughs> another meal. I already told him, I got you, bro. Don't worry <laughs> about it. You're good. Because this guy has been he, – they're not here without Evan McPherson. Mm-hmm. You know, and this this draft is going to be remembered for two players, Jamar Chase and the kicker. And he, he's the only kicker who was drafted. And do you know he's made four field goals in each – of their three postseason games. He scored half the points in the AFC championship game, nearly half. 
He scored 12 points the week before against the Tennessee Titans, and they only put 19 points on the board. He kicked four field goals. Remember, he and Dan Carlson of the Raiders, both of them were banging it through. Mm -hmm. We needed every single one of those kicks, every single one of those points to beat the Raiders. And so he is – You, if, I'm telling you now, other than Burrow, Chase, McPherson, probably MVP, man. This dude is money. And so uh, you got to give him a lot of credit. He makes 50-yard field goals with regularity. And uh, you have to be impressed with the fact that he's a rookie on this big of a stage doing what he's doing. Um, I, again, I talk about the confidence of this team. Even though they're young and seemingly inexperienced, this team has got confidence to spare. And that I think it's very impressive, Kurt. It really is. You know, I mentioned it 33 years ago, the Cincinnati Bengals were in the Super Bowl 23. And now we fast forward to Super Bowl 56. Sala, you're a part of that, that Super Bowl team. It came up just a little short against the 49ers. But what do you remember most about that Super Bowl? And what advice do you give these new Bengals that are heading to Super Bowl 56? Uh, what I remember most about it was a very physical game. You know, those People don't remember the 49ers and Ronnie Lott and just those teams and how they were built. Everybody thinks that they were this finesse team, fast break team, you know. They, and it was 3-3 at halftime. It was a slugfest of a game. Uh, they were a smart team. We were pretty sharp. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, Bill Walsh used to be in Cincinnati as an offensive coordinator. Sam Weiss used to be his assistant as the offensive coordinator in San Francisco when they first drafted Joe Montana. Now he's the head coach. So it was very incestuous, right? Was, mm -hmm. You know, we knew one another so well. Um, and it just came down to the last team with the ball, man. And Joe Montana did what he does. But, you know, more importantly, what I would tell, say, like Bengals players, like, first of all, you, you know, it's my second year in the league and I was a starter. You get there and I'm thinking, okay, we'll be back. No, never got back. Mm. No, you – you, you think you it was it happened so quickly it came so fast and so I don't want to say easy it came so rapidly think you're gonna get back you may never get back you better don't waste one down don't waste one moment don't waste one day between now and kickoff preparing for this game get just get rid of every distraction every iota of something that can take away from your time prepare for this game. And as you well know, Kirk, you know, the way I got ready, ready for games every single day, I just visualize every single play. I visualize every single call. I know what sets they're going to be in, what formations, what personnel groups. And okay, here's what I need to do. Here's what they're going to do. Here's how it's going to play out. And I just remembered that's how you prepare you. The focus and the energy is, is so important because the pregame for a Super Bowl is so outside of the ordinary that if you don't have a plan for preparation and how to focus and lock in, you can, you tend to can, you can get overhyped for a game like this and find yourself acting and performing in a way that's uncharacteristic. And so that's what I would tell uh, players is find a way to normalize this game as much as you can, even though it's, there's going to be a lot of pomp and circumstances around it. You got to strip it down bare bones it's just football and it's all you like as a defender you got to know if it's run or pass 
You got to read your keys and then you got to tackle and you got to just do the fundamentals. If it's offense, do the fundamentals. If you're a ball carrier, possess the ball. That's your number. Catch it, possess it. Run it, possess it. Quarterbacks, you cannot turn little. Not the real big things. The real big things happen as a result of taking care of the real small things. Man, I know who's ready for the Super Bowl. He's Solomon Wilcox, the former Wilcox, the former Cincinnati Bengal, and our colleague here at SiriusXM NFL Radio. Man, Solly, I appreciate the time, brother. I catch up with you soon, okay? All right, Kurt. Keep up the great work, man, and uh, we'll talk to you. <laughs> Sounds good, man. That's Solomon Wilcox, man. More total coverage coming up next. Hear what's happening around the globe on World of Basketball. Future NBA first-round pick, Dyson Daniels. You know, growing up for me, I always thought I was going to go to college. You know, that's usually the route that people were taking. But when I was at the NBA Academy for a little bit, the people like Josh Giddy, LaMelo Ball, um, who came through the pro route, you know, that opened up the pro route a little bit more for me. New episodes of World of Basketball, hosted by Fran Fraschilla, are released Thursdays on the SiriusXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. Man, thanks again, Solomon Wilcox, joining us, man. Give me some of that Bengal knowledge as the Bengals get ready for Super Bowl 56. But that was just one of the matchups of Championship Sunday. There was the other matchup, uh, the matchup that I was at personally, Rams 49ers part three. And we knew it was going to be a, uh, to quote George Kittle, a body bag game. <laughs> That's right. A body bag game between the 49ers and the Rams. And I don't know if we got a body bag game, but we got a game that seemed to go a little bit up, a little bit down, a little bit of everything as the Rams found a way to win this game, 20 to 17. The Rams outscored the 49ers 13 to zero in the fourth quarter, and they win on a field goal uh, by Matt Gay with just under two minutes left. Now the 49ers had another opportunity, but it was Jimmy Garoppolo. And it was a, a pass that which you kind of either knew it was coming, you almost expected it, but on third and 13, Jimmy Garoppolo tried to force, and I'm still trying to figure out what kind of pass it was, because it was like an underhand, backhanded throw that went off uh, the running back, Jermichael Hasty's hands in the air. Traven Howard, the linebacker for the Rams, picks it off with one minute and nine seconds left. And that's when the Rams commenced to getting into victory formation as they began to take a knee and take their trip to the Super Bowl, or I should say, be able to host the Super Bowl in Super Bowl 56. But there was just a lot of plays throughout the game, whether it was the play of the quarterback, Matthew Stafford, which a lot of people are talking about. This is the reason why he was brought to Los Angeles for those moments, right? He had the big moment. Earlier in the game, he had an interception in the red zone that really stopped a a nice drive by the Rams. But overall, it was Matthew Stafford's 31 of 45, 337 yards through the air, and the two touchdowns. The two touchdowns were to Cooper Cup, who those two guys on third down alone had seven catches or seven connections over 100 yards and two touchdowns on third down alone. Because Cooper Cup, 11 catches, 142 yards for the entire game. He just always seemed to get open. And oh, by the way, for the Rams, they have a receiver by the name of Odell Beckham Jr. A lot of people said he was washed 
lot of people said he was done. Nine catches, 113 yards, did not have a touchdown, but he had a major impact on this football game because the Rams needed someone else opposite Cooper Cup. And when the 49ers doubled Cup, they got one-on-one with Odell Beckham. When they tried to take away Beckham, they left one-on-one again for Cooper Cup. But a key part in this game for people who missed it, the Rams tight end Tyler Higby went down. He always seems to have a big game versus the 49ers. And to start the game, he had two big catches, 18 yards, and was going to be a focal point for the Rams offense. But it was a knee injury for him that he had to exit. Enter enter the game, Kendall Blanton. He's the backup tight end. He had four catches all season long. In this game, he had five. So he matched his whole season total in the NFC Championship game. He caught five passes, 57 yards. And oh, by the way, the week before, he caught one pass, which just so happened to be a touchdown for the Rams uh, against the Buccaneers. So yes, this Rams team had to find a way to get it done, and they did it. Um, I think the bigger part was how the Rams stopped the run. They held the 49ers to only 50 yards rushing. That's right. Debo Samuels, only seven carries, 26 yards. Elijah Mitchell, he had 11 carries for 20 yards. I think you look at the situation with Jimmy Garoppolo, 16 for 30, 232 yards, two touchdowns. And I was saying that this wasn't a reason why I thought the 49ers lost his football game. I, I, I don't believe so. People are going to look at Jimmy Garoppolo's performance and say, oh, he made the throw at the end, the interception. This is why we... No, 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 no. There were opportunities that should have been taken by the 49ers. And one in particular was with just under 10 minutes left in the game, right? We're in the fourth quarter, 10 minutes to go. 49ers are up by three, okay? And in the 49ers safety, Jaquaski Tart, he dropped what could have been a... Hey, I don't know what the 49ers would have done after that. And people said, well, you know, Garoppolo was going to mess it up. And all I know is that the interception was in Jaquaski Tart's hands. The ball falls on the ground. It is no longer uh it, it is no longer an interception. It is an incomplete pass. It goes back to the Rams. And on the next play, Matthew Stafford hits Odell Beckham for a 30-yard reception. Add on 15 yards for the helmet-to-helmet contact by Jimmy Ward. And so what could have been an interception turns into a 45-yard gain after that by the penalty and the catch by Odell Beckham Jr. And the Rams went on that drive to kick a field goal to make the score 22-20. It was unfortunate for the 49ers. Their defense, I thought, played well at times. They played well enough to win but they just couldn't get the job done. And I had wrote down the mistakes here. Interception by Stafford. You also had a drop pass by Cooper Cup. Yes, I'm gonna repeat that again. A drop pass by Cooper Cup. How often does that happen? Not very often, but it happened. They also had a drop touchdown pass by the uh, fourth right receiver, Ben Skoranek who was playing in place of, I mentioned the injured Tyler Higby, that probably would have been a Higby pass, but Skoranek was in and he missed a wide open pass from Matthew Stafford. There was also a missed field goal by Matt Gay inside of about 55 yards. So there's this situation of you're looking and watching this game and yet 
the 49ers are ahead. The game is close. And yet the Rams dominated the time of possession. 35, almost 36 minutes of the ball. The 49ers only 24, 25 minutes, right? The Rams had 25 first down, 49ers 16. The Rams were 11 of 18 on third down. 49ers were only three of nine. They outrushed them. They out outgained them uh, through the air. The, the game was a lot closer, but I thought if you really watched the game truly, the, the Rams really dominated. But that just goes to show you the toughness of the 49ers and the belief that they have in their quarterback. That they believe that Jimmy Garoppolo is their guy and they could get it done. And this game stayed tight. A lot of it just because of their belief and their faith in what they have. But in a game full of stars, you need your stars to step up in the big moment. And one of those stars for the Rams was Odell Beckham Jr. I mentioned it, his nine catches on 11 targets, 113 yards, was huge for the Rams offense. Look, the Rams are without Robert Woods, their other receiver who was injured halfway through the season, right before the Odell Beckham Jr. Actually, right when Odell was traded, they lose Robert Woods the same week. So what seemed as if a luxury pickup for the Rams turned to be a necessity pick because they needed everything that they got from Odell Beckham uh, in this football game. He was huge, and it really helped out Matthew Stafford because he had someone sure-handed that was going to go across the middle, and it really opened up, I thought, more for Cooper Cup. And it's been fun to watch as this offense for the Rams has transformed since Odell Beckham Jr. got there because I thought the Rams tried to do a little too much, but I think at, the, at some point they looked at themselves in the mirror and said, you know what, we may have to go back to the basics. And they started to run the football more. And think about this offensive line for the Rams. Now, they only gave up two sacks in the game. I mean, Nick Bosa, I mean, how could you not deny him? I mean, he's one of the best, I think, in the league. He had a sack and a half. Also, the other half came by Samson Ibukam. But for the most part, the four, these, the Rams' defensive, I mean, offensive front, offensive line, they held up. They held up and allowed Matthew Stafford to make the throws that were needed make the throws to the stars. Cooper Cup was the star. Odell Beckham was the star. And I love the way that the Rams really kind of had a two-headed monster at running back. Remember, Cam Akers had fumbled the week prior twice against the Buccaneers. Sean McVay went right back to him. 13 carries, 48 yards. And Sony Michelle, 10 carries, only 16 yards, but it was the tough yards. And sometimes I've always said this for people out there listening, and I want you to hear this. Sometimes it's not about the yards. It's about the touches. How does that sound? Right? It's not about the yards. It's about the touches. The more touches you get, the more time comes off the clock. The defense has to execute. So it all comes together. That was the offensive performances. But what about the defensive performance? If I told you that Eric Weddle would lead the Rams in tackles, you would be lying to me. This dude three weeks ago was on his couch. Now he's heading to the Super Bowl. He led the Rams with nine tackles. Troy Reader playing in the middle linebacker spot. He was second on the team with eight tackles. Oh, and Nick Scott, another outstanding performer. Remember, the Rams were without their two starting safeties. The whole entire season, it was Jordan Fuller, Taylor Rapp. Well, Rapp has been out with a concussion. And Jordan Fuller had a lower leg injury, so he's out for the rest of the season. 
and yet they go out and Nick Scott starts. And then Eric Weddle comes off the street, has been playing. He played every play in the conference championship game. And then in your, I mentioned when you need them, what is this, the saying says? Not always there when you're called, but he's always on time. That is Aaron Donald. And look, he struggled against the 49ers because they have a great plan in trying to neutralize him, not making him a factor. But at the end of the day, it was Aaron Donald who was forcing Jimmy Garoppolo into that errant throw that was intercepted by Traven Howard. Von Miller being a menace in that second half as well. And then you have Jalen Ramsey playing just the way Jalen Ramsey does, putting hands on everybody. And that's what you want to see. Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, it was the defensive stars that came through for the Rams. And I mentioned it before, for Cooper Cup, it's how does he get that wide open? But he does. The Rams just do a great job of getting him into some great situations to make some plays. And again, I don't want to uh, dismiss the 49ers. They did everything that they could. Um, I just thought that I wanted to see more Debo Samuel. I mean, he only had four catches for 72 yards, but, you know, one of them was a 44-yard touchdown. So why not give him the ball more? He was your biggest playmaker. Only 11 touches for Debo. I needed that to be up in the 15-20. And I think that's something that Kyle Shanahan definitely is looking back. And in one critical moment of the game, it was a fourth and two. Balls on the Rams side of the 50-yard line. And instead of going for it, they decided to punt. I thought that was a bad decision. I thought that was a decision that, hey, look, I wouldn't have been worried if you did it, but I think sometimes coaches get a little conservative. And the 49ers that have been so aggressive all year long were conservative at a moment where I thought the week prior they were aggressive against the, the Packers. Handed it off to Debo on third and seven, they get a first down. Why not try it again on fourth down? Man, what ifs by the 49ers. But what a well-played game. Uh, the Rams and Matt Gay's 30-yard field goal send the Rams to Super Bowl 56. And now we got the matchup. Rams, Bengals. Rams becoming the second team in 56 years, right? Or 56 Super Bowls, right? Super Bowl 56 to host the home, to host the Super Bowl in their home building. Tampa Bay did it in 2021. Now the Rams host it in 2020. To Bengals Rams, I look forward to it. We're going to have a bunch of interviews for you, so I cannot wait to talk about Super Bowl 56 coming up on the next episode of Total Coverage. Look, I got some players of the week, right? Offensive and defensively, and it's kind of hard because you saw both teams or in both games, some guys has had some outstanding performances. But if there was one guy that I am going to single out that had just a, a huge monster day, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to say it, man, Cooper Cup. How does he continue to get this wide open? When you need him, you find him. And I told you what he did on third down. Had seven catches, two touchdowns on third down alone, on the money down. And so Cooper Cup is my offensive player of the week. 14 targets. He caught 11 of them. Remember, he had the crucial drop in there. But still, he caught 11 of them. 142 yards, two touchdowns. One of the critical plays at the end of the game, on a third and three, Cooper Cup gets open and puts the Rams in the field goal position, man. Another outstanding just performance. Now, when it comes to my defensive player of the game, look, he didn't have the monster stats, but, man, he played hard. And it's my guy, Trey Hendrickson. I mentioned it earlier with Solomon Wilcox. 
I think Trey Henderson, my defensive player of the year, he had to run and scramble and go get Patrick Mahomes, especially in that second half. And it was a big, big play that we saw toward the end of the game that, you know, Trey Hendrickson literally ran around for about 10 seconds. He hits Patrick Mahomes out of bounds and is literally exhausted, had to hold himself up with the kicking net. But it was those types of efforts, it was those types of plays. And Trey Hendrickson, four tackles. Uh, he had, uh, you know, a, a sack and a half. But man, he should have had more than that. So he's my defensive player of the week. And look, his buddy Sam Hubbard also had two sacks. So I almost to say they should share it, man. The defensive ends of the of the Cincinnati Bengals coming through in the clutch. Well, man, that about do it for this championship edition, championship round edition, as we prepare for Super Bowl week here at SiriusXM. Special thanks to my guest, Solomon Wilcox, for joining me today. And we'll be back again next week for our Super Bowl preview. Remember, you can find the Total Coverage Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Tap in, go to Apple, Stitcher, Anywhere you find podcasts, type in Total Coverage, Kirk Morrison, and it will pop up to you. Again, you can reach me at Kirk Morrison on Twitter, at Kirk Morrison on Instagram. Super Bowl week is upon us. Super Bowl 56. Bengals, Rams. I can't wait to talk to you guys on the next edition, Super Bowl week of the Total Coverage podcast. Until then, good football, y'all. Sirius XM Podcasts.